Welcome back to an emergency edition of the talk show. I had a special guest on to talk about what's transpired with the Knicks over the last nine games and how it could potentially play out over the course of the regular season and the playoffs as they prepare to take on the Phoenix Suns at Madison Square Garden on Monday. It's been an incredible season and we broke it down. It's just a fun podcast of us loving the Knicks. So if you're a Knicks fan, enjoy. Welcome to another edition of the talk show. We had to do an emergency podcast. It's late Sunday night. We're recording this now because I have a very special guest, my father, Dr. Levy. Thanks for joining again. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. Uh, I've been watching the trajectory of what's going on since you since we last talked. Um, you've become somewhat of a uh, member of the community, Audacity. And so uh, at the time that you started, it was more recreational. Now it's becoming kind of real. Um, yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope right now. But um, we're not here for that. We're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about one thing in particular. And that's, you said, traje- trajectory. That's the trajectory of the New York Knicks. Um, we got to talk about this today because they're riding a nine-game winning streak, which uh, tomorrow night's going to be a tough game. I've probably people listening to this, it might be tonight already, Monday night, tough game against the Phoenix Suns coming off a loss in Brooklyn. So, um I would, you know, I wouldn't put anything past this team, but we got to catch this while this team while it's still hot. So we got to talk about it now. Well, yeah, what makes it an emergency is that now that it's a nine game winning streak, it's just uh, emergency sounds like we're overstating it. But the fact of the matter is we've gotten emotionally invested with this team um, and the Phoenix and, and losing to the Nets plays into it because we're emotionally invested in this team relative to the nets. And I think it has a lot to do with why we still, I still personally uh, have retained my love for basketball of all the sports Um, used to follow more of the sports more closely and really basketball is the one that's remained. And I think it's just the consummate team sport. Every player um, contributes on the floor in real time. It's the equivalent, if you were to compare it to baseball, it's a stupid comparison, but it would be the equivalent of every player at bat, uh, at every at bat, and then every player on the team also pitching at every at bat, so to speak, because everybody's playing offense, everybody's playing defense together. We're going to talk a little bit about the mentality of the Nets, where it's just a collection of individuals, Uh, no disrespect to their coach, uh, Steve Nash, but but, but mad respect to – our coach Tibbs. And I know you want, you love him. It starts with him. It starts with mentality and a culture. And of course you need to have a star player to step up and buy in. And we're going to talk about that. I'm sure as well, but the bottom line is for me, just the comparative culture of those two New York teams where New York is just gritty and it's not always pretty, but we love this team. We love being the underdog. And just watching this play, it's, this team play, it's hard not to get emotionally invested. So you do have superstars and a very well-coached and well-organized Phoenix team coming off uh, a loss. They're going to be feeling blood in the water and a nine-game winning streak. It, it feels like now is the time to extol the virtues of the Knicks. And you and I have a safe word because uh, when we talk Knicks, we tend to get carried away. And... Um, I don't, it's hard not to call this the best team we've ever seen because it's one of the most cohesive as far as T-E-A-M team. It's just beautiful to watch the hard work, the dedication. I mean, 
if, if anything, if something were to happen in like 25 years uh, from now and Obi Toppin had some sort of personal crisis, you feel like Julius Randle would be at his side like in 20 minutes, ready to take care of him. Yeah. Can you really say that? The type with, of connection. Right. And can you say that of like, I don't know. Kyrie <laughs> um, Irving and Joe Harris. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... So that, that, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like a brotherhood and we all, we're all part of it. Yeah. And the whole city has bought in and that's exactly part of it, that there's not one guy on this team that really kind of makes this team roll, but it's the whole team together. It's every single person has bought in. They say it. They call themselves the Big 15. I saw just another tweet about it tonight that the Knicks posted. They're the Big 15. This is the team that... And it's funny you mentioned Obi Toppin because I was just thinking about that because let's go there for a second. All these guys I can are... Go, t- I'm ready to go for every one of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys are Tibbs guys. And the reason I chose Obi Toppin is because Obi Toppin may have contributed arguably the least to what's been happening this year. And what is happening this year is nothing short of remarkable. I mean, you say the team, when you watch them play, it's kind of like watching the 2000 Spurs. Like this team is so cohesive. They just play together. They play for each other. It's a different guy every night. And obviously there's the one consistent who I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But the reason I talk about Tibbs guys is because the Knicks passed on Tyrese Halliburton in the draft, right? and took Obi Toppin instead. And a lot of people think that's a big mistake. And I, the reason I thought of this tonight was because I was, I was just watching the Warriors playing against the Kings and Tyrese Halliburton, excellent NBA player. And we've seen flashes from Obi Toppin, but he's obviously not the player we had hoped he'd be yet. And, you know, Emmanuel quickly, his emergence softens the blow a little bit, but it occurred to me that maybe Halliburton just didn't have that Tibbs personality. He wasn't going to be that guy who bought into his role. And if you think I'm wrong about this, go look at, you know, Austin Rivers single-handedly won a game against one of the best teams in the league in the Utah Jazz for us. And a week later, he was basically, he was gone. He was not getting it because he went to the coach and said he wanted to get more shots or whatever it was. And that was it. They were done with him. So there is something to buying into this person, the buying in here. It's incredible. Oh, and uh, the one difference with the Spurs, um, I think there's, a lot of uh, professionalism with the Spurs and you have to obviously give so much credit and pop has gotten so much credit over the years and rightfully so, but the youthful exuberant enthusiasm, the, I don't know if you saw um, when Obi was getting meaningful minutes against Toronto and he was, and he was nailing threes randomly towards the end, he was like cracking up. Guys are holding themselves back. He's literally on the court. Um, trying to suppress his joy yeah and that's and it's the, just <laughs> that's kind of the theo pinzen effect it's funny because that comes from winning obviously and and i've they've talked about this a lot in all sports i hear it all the time in sports radio when a team's playing well and they show personality everyone loves it everyone's like oh they need to have more personality and then when the team's playing poorly and they show personality it's like what they don't respect the game so that obviously comes with winning um you know the perfect example is the yankees they show no personality ever and when they're winning, no one minds that they're not showing any personality, you know? And then when they're losing, it's like, oh, well, they should care more. They should show more personality. But yeah, I, I call that the Theo Pinzen effect because I sent you that video I pointed out where Obi Toppin's just cracking up. All the guys are jumping up and down, going nuts. The Knicks are up like 16 and they're walking towards the bench as Toronto called a timeout. And Tibbs looks as pissed as ever. He's just standing mm-hmm. there. He just mm, like, like seething, like when's it, when, you know, 
when are we going to get back in the building again? And that's just the Tibbs effect where he, you know, he teaches these guys. It's all in the work and the harder they work and the more they keep going. They had a blackout day last week after they won against the Hawks, the second of the back-to-back. They said the next day was a blackout day. No one's allowed in the facility. And apparently Julius Randle was saying that he was getting texts from guys the next day. All right, when are we getting to, when are we going there to put up some shots? Like they can't keep themselves out of the gym. They're all, and that's what, that's why they took quickly. That's why all these guys are the guys they wanted on this team. It's just the grit. It's why they got Derek Rose and Taj Gibson who were both with Tibbs in Chicago. It's Tibbs guys. Uh, yeah. And it has formed into one of these rare, rare teams that makes you love sports where you will root for them win or lose because you know they're giving each other and the fans their max effort and that they're all buying in you had mentioned to me earlier when we were having a discussion something Kyrie said it's not wrong what he says when he talks about how he doesn't need a coach because he knows where to be on the floor and he has a very high obviously skill set and also NBA basketball IQ but that statement in itself shows a lack of realization of the team concept and you could in theory i mean it happens all the time win in all in all leagues and all kinds of sports with a collection of uber talented individuals but how much better is it when you actually get a sum that's greater than the you know its parts in a team and that's 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 what i was referring to when i was saying the ultimate examples are two new york teams here we have one that's a team and we have the other one that's a collection of individuals. And, and you have to, I mean, who, I, I don't understand. Is there, is there anybody, can anybody justify rooting for the collection of individuals over the team? Is there anybody in New York who cares about the Nets more than Knicks and why? Well, nobody, nobody in New York and the national media sometimes does gravitate more towards the superstars. It's kind of funny. You talked about how basketball is the one sport where everyone's on the floor. Everyone has to play defense. Everyone touches the ball on offense. Everyone's doing everything on both sides. Yet at the same time, basketball is the one sport where talent, you know, trumps all talent beats everything, no matter what's going on, no matter how many, you know, team oriented players you have at the end of the day, you need the talent to win. And that makes the Knicks run even more incredible because they have, they now own the longest winning streak in the NBA this season, which was nine games. No one had a streak better than nine games. And it's remarkable. The last time the Knicks had a streak like this, they had one of the best scorers in the league and Carmelo Anthony, obviously. But I think what everyone does has to have to realize and what this nine game winning streak kind of did. And it, it obviously drew a lot of awareness around the league, which I want to get to in a second but not before we get to this guy, which is Julius Randle. He is the superstar. He became the superstar. He, with the help, with, you know, the trust that the team put him in, put in him, the trust that the organization, the trust that the fans obviously had bought in as the season went along. And really all the guys around him, you talked about the guys being happy for each other. No one is more happy for Julius Randle than his teammates. Every time he's doing an interview and they're chanting MVP and, they're going nuts for him. They are so happy for him to be the guy, for him to be the focal point, for him to be the superstar. And it makes everything else, you know, feel like a, just a team environment. It makes everyone else know their role and say, okay, I'm doing this to help this guy be a superstar. And his transformation is one I've never seen in my life in any sport of a guy just popping like that, especially at this stage of his career. He's not young, he's not old, but you know, he's been in the league for what, four five, six years already. And now all of a sudden he's a completely different player than he's ever been in the past. 
and it's not a fluke anymore. This has been a full season of him doing this, right? Um, it doesn't seem fluky at all. It's not that we haven't seen this type of thing, but not to this degree. I'm going to borrow a page out of Walt Clyde Frazier, the legends book and say, it's just gratifying and satisfying to see a guy. How amazing is it to see a guy who, when you were watching even highlights at the beginning of this year of Julius Randle, and you know, I, I watched mostly highlight the beginning, although now I'm starting to get curious about what's going on the rest of the game. Even the, his points, even his highlights, I was like, ooh, that looked like an off-balance shot. Like, no two shots were coming from the same angle. Everything seemed just like full speed, sort of like motion. And to watch a guy find his balance and his footing and his, uh, I don't know if it's 10 or 12 or 14, but his sort of handful of spots on the court where he knows what he wants to do. You don't need to have a shot for every single square inch of the court. He has the talent to do something at any spot on the court, but when you hone that craft and you've seen it with the greatest of players, I mean, Michael Jordan, you, when you saw him, uh, obviously you're using, uh, using the goat as an example, but all the greats, if you're talking about Kobe or Michael, you know, it, Tim Duncan was the only guy who came in almost like fully baked where like he knew his spot somehow coming in of college, but everyone else sort of like has this incredible athletic ability. It's flying all over the court. And the great ones, the game seems to slow down for them and they figure out, and it's a very mindful way of going about your business that should be an inspiration to anybody in any form of life uh, or business or anything where it, you follow what works, you keep track and are mindful of what is effective, and then you go to it and you hone it and you make it habitual. Very few players, like to your point, do that. We've seen it, right? We've seen it with Kobe. He talked about it. We've seen it with some of the greats. Some of the greats didn't have to do it. Like, I don't know that Allen Iverson did it. Maybe he did. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm saying the ones that were able to become consistent with it, and then all of a sudden you're predictable within a team framework. So Julius Randle's game is not only fantastic, but it also lends itself to be part of a team. And this was, I was giving this some thought, like, to continue the baseball analogy, you know, you'll never have a shortstop all of a sudden do something unusual where he's suddenly he comes into the season and he's also closing for the team right here in, in basketball, the guy was, you know, a player in the paint and he developed an outside shot. Like now he's a totally different dimension that he adds to the flow of a game. And now the, the flow of the game is it works around that. It's just very impressive. And if it's an individual effort, then, it's impressive. But when you make that a centerpiece of a larger puzzle, now all of the other players know where the spots are, know what their roles are, and they can be more effective than even perhaps more talented players that have less vision and less direction. And that's, that's what we were talking about before. Obviously, we're going to keep going back to it. Just the way Tibbs was able to, to meld it into a team. It's inspiring. And yeah, it starts from Julius, not only his ability and not only the way he's managed to make it consistent, but also his leadership, his work ethic. You know, that's that's what they say in all other sports. Oh, uh, so-and-so makes, you know, we're going to go, we're going to pick on baseball. I'm so sorry Gary for all Sanchez. baseball fans. Yeah. He's really putting in the work this year. Sanchez is really putting in the work. And then he strikes out looking at an 0-2 fastball down the middle and he makes another throwing error or pass ball or whatever. At that point, you don't really the care most about even, the work. <laughs> right. And the most, but even the most the person can do 
if you're a baseball player, how is he making other players better? It, you can to some extent, and maybe you could be like Jeter was such a rock for so many years, showing work ethic and professionalism and all that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it didn't, it didn't help, uh, you know, Paul O'Neill in the batter's box. Paul O'Neill's, you know, batting average wasn't impacted necessarily by Derek Jeter or, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's in, why in bat- <laughs> that's why a guy like Tom Brady is so incredible because all of a sudden he goes to a Bucks team and all of a sudden their defense becomes one of the best defenses in the league. So. Right. So I think that that's sort of like a morale effect. And, and, and certainly um, Tibbs and Julius Randle have helped in that regard. And your boy on the bench, Theo Pinson, yeah. Theo Pinson the, uh, who you think is the MVP of the team. So the morale is through the roof, but even just X's and O's. And I think Tibbs probably cares about both aspects of it. But even in terms of X's and O's, he literally makes everybody else better because everybody knows where to be and everybody can feed off him. And he's been so consistent that you could literally create a formula. I think it's maybe the comp to me is the Mavs team with Dirk that beat LeBron's LeBron's heat. They just, everyone's roles were so well-defined that they just, it was a joy for them. And it was just like, let's see how far this could take us. And this is where we need our safe word because (laughs) you and I can't imagine losing a seven game series. Well, I'll take it one step further before we do that, before we get into playoff scenarios. I'll take it one step further with Julius Randle. First of all, I appreciate like the life analogy with everything he's done. And it's so true. And he talks about it all the time. If you hear him in interviews, you know, he talks about, hey, listen, I worked, I I changed. It was a lot of mental stuff. It was a lot of emotional stuff. It was a lot of figuring stuff out in his life that were going to make him better ultimately. And he's done that. Now, a couple of things that we've seen, obviously his picking his spots on the floor, um, but his ability to pass out of the double team and the guys know where to be. And they've surrounded him with three point shooters and some, you know, RJ Barrett is like, I'm going to improve my corner three shooting because I know that the pass is going to be coming from Julius Randle. And he's been able to pass out of those double teams. Another shot that Julius Randle has really, and we talked about some of his spots on the floor earlier today. And another spot that he goes to is where he's running with his, he's dribbling with his right kind of running at the sideline. He's running at the baseline and he shoots the baseline jumper. So because he's running to the right of the basket with his right hand, lefties actually, it's harder to defend because you don't expect the lefty to have a better angle at that shot, but they actually do. They have more room than a right-handed shooter would have. And he shoots that shot. Bill Simmons pointed this out. And he's made it one of his shots. You kind of think he's falling out of bounds, but he's not really. He's in control. That's a shot that he's mastered. And now you see RJ Barrett starting to make the same move. So you know that Julius Randle has said, hey, look, you're a lefty also. Let's do this. Let's try this for you. So that's something that not only is he helping them on the floor in game, but obviously he's coaching them off of the floor. We knew when we got RJ Barrett that we had a guy with a great attitude, but we could devote a whole podcast to my RJ Barrett love because you've now actually patterned your personal game after RJ Barrett because you see how he just slowly meanders towards the basket and seems to somehow weave through three guys and get it, get it off in off the glass. Like it's 1980s. It's just incredible. The guy's attitude is amazing. And we were wondering, you know, you sat there when you first got him, will he ever be in a position where this great attitude will be able to manifest in production and boy has it. I mean, this guy, and think of the combination of a guy who wants the ball in crunch time and you can feel good about him having a crunch time. You're rooting for him to do take the last second shot. And at the same time, humility, appreciation, 
I mean, these guys interview last night was incredible or whatever night it was on, on Saturday at the garden when he was, he was getting emotional as the crowds chanting for him because like he realizes what's going on in the building. He's realizes what's happening. And he just steps back from the microphone for a minute and starts giving the crowd a round of applause. Like it's crazy. It's And by the way, you brought up a great point. You know, you're talking about, think about how this crescendo is building now, you know, you're talking about uh, this was, an NBA that was in a bubble, like within the last 12 months, uh, within the last calendar year, there was a bubble situation and then a slow incremental sort of like creeping in of crowds. And the garden now is rocking at like 25% capacity. Less, right now it's at 10 still. They're going to up oh, it it's to 25 10. for the playoffs. When they up it for 25 for the playoffs, it's going to feel like the roof's coming off the place. It's going to be I pandemonium. Mean, it's insane. <laughs> And, and there's incredible. a buzz in the street. I saw a video today, a great video of uh, Frank Nilakina. Someone videos him. He's walking across the street and you have the entire city chanting at him and he's waving to them. This is a guy who probably has played a total of 10 minutes during this nine game winning streak. And you have the whole city chanting his name like at him because they're just rallying around this team. It's so crazy. And it's, it's just nuts. There's a life analogy here, by the way. Uh, we found 100%. I love to do that on the podcast. So go ahead. We found, we found it in our, uh, and I love that you love that. So we found, uh, you know, in our own personal lives, when we have had like life moments and parties and commemorations and all all of these things, we've due to COVID, we've only been able to invite smaller numbers of people. And what's happened is people that really care and people that really matter have shown up. And in a way, it's deepened a lot of relationships. And some of those moments, we didn't realize that it wasn't necessarily strengths in numbers, but also not just quantity, but quality. And here it's given, it's just the timing, the way it worked out. This team with this camaraderie has almost like developed this grassroots, real, real kinship with the fans where everyone that's in there is super emotionally invested. And now it's just like spreading from this from this groundswell of people who really truly care and are more invested than ever they were than they ever were before. And, you know, in the, in the past when it was just an event, the biggest event, the great world's most famous arena, blah, blah, blah. It's more about the event here. It's like literally about the relationships, like with the team and it's, and, and it's deepened it and it's going to be so much more gratifying and almost we can say, it's amazing. just amazing. I mean, I don't know, you know, the book, if we win, I mean, it'll be a movie. Uh, well, it's it, straight you know, out of a movie. If we don't, it should be. This is where I'm going with it. I mean, the t- it's a city recovering from a, from a pandemic. And then right. they rally behind this lovable bunch of losers. You know what I mean? And obviously right. no one on this team is losers, but guys who weren't supposed to be the guys who, and I try explaining this to my wife a bunch of times and I, I think she's getting it somewhat, but the point is, I, I, you know, I don't think she's getting my passion and enthusiasm, <laughs> but, um, you know, the fact that they're rallying around the team like this, this doesn't happen in real life. This is every sports movie and in every sports movie. Eventually they actually make it and they win this team. We don't think they have the talent, but like I said, and this is where it gets into the playoffs and like, we need that safe word. Who wants to face this team? This is, there's one thing this team does that no other team in the NBA does, and that means 48 minutes, every single possession, every single game, they are going to bring it. That's why everyone loves them. That's why the, the, the city has fallen in, love with, fallen in love with them. They're going to bring it. They're going to make you work on offense. They're going to make you work on defense. I said this on the last podcast. And really, there's no team outside of the Philadelphia 76ers that I'm afraid of. 
give me the I, scenarios. Give me the playoff scenarios. The Celtics, the Celtics have been emotionally and mentally weak this year. I don't, I don't care. The Atlanta Hawks, we swept them in the regular season. Lamelo Ball and 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 the Hornets. Oh, I want to, oh. Come on, like the, there's one other team I'm scared of: the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have always been tough. They've always had that mentality. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, those guys. They have the Pat Riley ness to them. You know that the '90s Knicks had, right? That's that's what was so lovable about the '90s Knicks. It's like the '90s Knicks all over again. Only if you look recently, what did they score? 120 something points last night. They're scoring. They're scoring a ton of points now. This team has become in this over the course of this winning streak. They've become one of the best three point shooting teams in the league, and they've surrounded with guys who can close at every game with someone else. One guy who we haven't talked about yet, who I know you want to talk about, who really hasn't played the last few games because he's been out, is Alec Burks. He's become a closer on this team. The guy is automatic late in games, and it's a bunch of those guys. Whether it's Reggie Bullock on the wing shooting threes, it doesn't matter who's taking the shot. This team has become reliable almost. Um, all right, get your safe word out. You ready? Um, never, we, you mentioned we never Alec said this, what the safe word was. I know we talked about it, but we we decided that the safe word would be mellow yeah. because uh, first of all, it's cool because like yo mellow out, but it's also because you were over exuberant. It was impossible in your youth to explain to you that a team with Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony as its best player would never win a championship. You refuse to believe that. You still refuse to believe that today. And so... But I do believe that paradigm. a team with Julius Randle as our star can win a championship. So first of all, Melo. <laughs> I believe that, um, that Burks is a taller, better outside shooting, um, more consistent version of Tony Parker. So... I need to mellow on that. You look, he looks like him. That's where this started. This absurdity of you thinking that they look alike. Now that's insane. Now, as an orthodontist, I, I um, study facial structure as a matter of uh, my vocate, my vocation. And uh, yeah, Tony Parker and, uh, and, and Burks, they have the same face. And they have the same game, and so he's he's Tony Parker, as far as I'm concerned. It's, and it's good to have every time we text. Every time we text, <laughs> we write Tony Parker. Like anytime Tony, like Alec Burks hits a big three, we're like Tony Parker. This is great. Tony TP. This is great. And we I can't believe because, we're we're winning without Tony Parker. I know. We've but, gone okay, I'll bring up about Tony Parker. I'll say, say a couple of things. First of okay, all, go ahead. For, um, uh, I want to bring up two more guys since we're bringing up guys. First of all get your safe word out because i you said that you're afraid of the sixers i normally would be if we get mitchell robinson back we're going all the way because he's got so much swag and him he can just stand there with Embiid. he's not Embiid, but he's he's as intimidating inside I was at a game as, as any other guy who would match up. And, and also I was a lot of times what happens with Embiid is he has that inside out game where he could also, you know, be the guy on the perimeter who could shoot and, and, you know, um, facilitate for the offense from the outside. The thing about um, Mitchell Robinson, I was at a game last year against the Rockets and he was step for step with James Harden as he's trying to cross him up. And James Harden usually cooks on big guys. And then he ends up blocking his three point shot because yeah, he got a little off balance, but he recovers and just sticks his insanely arm long arms out and got the block. So yeah, that, that guy's nuts. Also. I I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear it would be really very satisfying if it turned out that Mitchell Robinson comes back and this whole, absence was just to strengthen the rest of the team in preparation for his return 
for our <laughs> finals championship run. But it doesn't That's, even matter. Nerlens Noel has been leading the NBA in April. He led the NBA in blocks per game. You look at a guy like Taj Gibson. It's every single guy. It's up and down. It's next man up mentality, but it's also just every guy pitching in. And the way Tibbs has been mixing and matching the matchups also, you see in some games he'll put in, um, you know, you see in some games he'll put, he'll put in uh, quickly down the stretch. And in other games, it's Derek Rose and it's a different guy every night and he's not trying to force it. He's always finding the matchup. Sometimes he even puts a Nilakina and we've seen that. It's incredible. 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 I mean, Maryland. So is it my imagination or, you know, he was timid. He was butterfingers. He looked uh, talking about the game, not being slowed down for him. It always seemed like it was a little too fast for him. And over time, and a lot of it had to do with the extra playing time. He's just settled in to knowing who he is. And it's been like a pleasure to watch. And now he's a force that you can really easily root for because he's, he's as invested and emotional out there as anybody else. He seems engaged and he seems to know where he's supposed to be in the flow. It's, it's great coaching by Tibbs. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just through the roof. Two months ago, you would have told me, okay, Mitchell Robinson's going to be back on this team next year, of course. And who would you not re-sign for next year? You would have told me Nerlens Noel. Now, not anymore. I mean, this guy is... A he's guy, like the core. He's, he's, he's really manning down the middle. He's a smaller center, but he's been incredible. Um, and yet you talk about, you said slowing down the game. It's so funny with RJ Barrett. He literally slows down <laughs> the game for himself. Um, but let's go back. Obviously, we want to talk about this. We have to get to this. In a playoff scenario, yes. in a playoff series, seven games, I, we would beat the Nets. I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm never going to say the safe word, so you can forget about that. No. I'm not saying they for sure would beat the Nets. What I'm saying is the Nets are not mentally tough. They're not mentally strong. You start hitting them a couple of games. Maybe Kyrie decides that he needs to leave for a couple of days because like he got his feelings hurt or something. Like These guys are the type of guys that you literally want to play in, against, in a playoff series. And even if, you know, let's say the Knicks take them to seven games, then the Nets fold in the next series. The Nets end up beating the Knicks and they fold in the next series. I will take great pride in that. I'll say, we beat them down. We beat them down physically, emotionally. And that's why they couldn't go on in the next series. I'm okay with that. I'll take the moral victory here. Let me tell you something. If they go seven games, there's no way we're losing a game seven, by the way. And and by the way, way, by the way, if they go seven games, it's going to be in Brooklyn. And who do you think the crowd's going to be going for? Oh, 100% the Knicks. It's going to be crazy. It'll be a crazy situation where you have a team that was like a number one or two seed that has these like all-time players and talents, and they're at home in a game seven, and the crowd is in a absolute lathered frenzy for the Rose, visiting yeah. team. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> it'll be amazing. Yeah. And it's funny, That's like never I, happened before. I said before that, you know, guys are starting to take notice. LeBron James commented, he's like, yo, the Knicks are real. I see what they're doing over there. It's really incredible. And I get LeBron trying to be like the ambassador of the league. And it of doesn't course. work because it's just so phony. And he's a little too polished. Around. You haven't been around for three months. Like no one's seen you like step on the court and maybe you could start talking again. But like, here's the yeah. thing. LeBron had multiple opportunities to be the guy to come to New York and to make it that place. Right. He had it in 2010. And again, when he went to the Lakers and when he went back to the Cavs, he could have done that. That's multiple opportunities. If you think he wrote, you know, the league is better when the Knicks are good. Well, you had every opportunity to make the Knicks look, look good and you couldn't do it. you decided you, you shied away from it. You, 
you know, you didn't want to be that guy who you didn't want the pressure. You ran away from it. Meanwhile, guys like Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and Theo Pinson and Tony Parker and Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock, like, you know, he is, he we don't talk about epitomizes him. everything that this team stands for. It was funny when I drove by the garden a couple of weeks ago and I sent you the picture and the picture outside the garden, giant picture. It's like work harder and it has a picture of Reggie Bullock because that's what this team is. They put in the work, they, they do it. And that's what Reggie Bullock shows the amount of when he multiple efforts, they talk about on the defensive end on a possession where you'll see him, he's running off of one guy, then he's doubling another guy. And then he ends up with a steal. And on the other end, he's hitting the three he's, it's incredible. Every single guy is just so bought in. Uh, I have two reactions to your LeBron thing, which is number one, the league's better when the Lakers are good too. And let him stay in over there where it's, everything's a show. It's fine. It, it's fine. We're happy. And that was also another this. thing Julius Randall talked about because he said when the Lakers were bad and when the Knicks were bad, you couldn't compare. He said he couldn't walk in the street with his family last year because he was getting berated with comments. When he was in LA, it's just a bunch of stars like, yeah, this is fun. Who cares? You know what I mean? So like hundred percent, it's different. It's different. And so listen, I mean, LeBron comes to New York. Tibbs doesn't come. He's not looking for that kind of environment. It becomes more of a collection of, of individuals or who you pick in the playground. That's, that's very different from what we have here. And what we have here is just so much more quintessential New York. And that's why it's resonating so hard. And it's just the best. And by the way, if we're ever down 11 points, we just put in a manual quickly and we'll, we'll be up by three within four minutes. I've never seen a team come back so many times <laughs> that like, especially a Knicks, even the Carmelo Anthony Knicks teams, when they would go down a certain number of points, you never would have thought. I've never seen a team be up 15 and then be down seven and come back from that. Like, the Knicks right. have blown so many leads and have come back from it and, you know, been great. It's crazy. It's amazing. They have so they're playing. It's just the confidence hard. that it's just the confidence of knowing that everyone's got each other's back and that with proper amount of heart, like anything can happen and just proper amount of hard work and preparation that never rests. And they, they, they just emotionally wear down teams. It's amazing. They, Maybe they'll beat Phoenix tomorrow. I don't right. know. But That's nine, what I was going to say. I, mean, like, I, I really like, love Phoenix. I love Devin losing. Booker. I love DeAndre and I love Chris Paul. I really, really want the Knicks to beat them tomorrow. Um, <laughs> is tomorrow, do you know this? Is it, Off the top of your head, I could check it right now. But is tomorrow the last game of this homestand? Because I know everyone was talking about this long homestand. Then they go on the road for a bunch of games. Is tomorrow the last game? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, let, me, let me check I, it up right now. I think I know that I think the last uh, regular season game is right around May 14th, 15th, right? Okay, so they're okay. Um, yeah, they they have two add on games, um, which is like the 16th and the 15th are two home games that were originally not on the schedule that got pushed off because of COVID against the Hornets and against the Celtics, which are going to be good big games at that point. So the and last game home, of the season is Celtics, I think, is right? The Celtics on the 16th, but yeah, the Knicks have one more home game after this on Wednesday against the Bulls and then they go on the road for one, two, three, four, five, six, a six game roads road, you know, road trip. And another thing, cause we, people talk about road trips, you know, a, a six game road trip can totally change the fortunes of the team. They could fall from the three seed all the way down. Now they're the four seed, but they could fall from the four seed down to, you know, seven or eight and have to play in that play in round. And that could totally happen, but not with a team that's mentally tough. How many times have we seen this Knicks team this year come out on a day game? Yesterday was a day game and come out strong. 
right? A, a 1 p.m. start at Madison Square Garden. I've never seen that from a Nick team in my life. They always come out so flat on day games at home. Well, you know, when you work so hard and they see each other working so hard, it's almost like you have to justify how hard you worked by just being there for each other at game time. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a real, like I, like we keep saying, it's a life lesson in teamwork and in hard work and in knowing who you are and in self-definition. Uh, I mentioned to, to you that, you know, you were talking about um, Tibbs falling off the JVG tree and then he made a stop in Boston. And then that one time Bill Simmons interviewed then president Obama um, at that point, Tibbs was with the um, Bulls, Bulls yeah. and Obama recognized. He, he said to Bill, thanks for Tibbs. Like he understood um, that this is this is a special kind of coach that is just so strong with the motivation and with the X's and O's. And um, and, and I don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors, but it seems like it's very earnest and very, very passionate. And that's why we're connecting to it so much. Yeah, so there's no real way to wrap this up. Um, obviously, this team has just been, it's so much fun. We're going to keep riding it. Like I said in the last episode, even if they made the plan, I'd be happy. Obviously, you want to see them in a seven-game series because that's where this team is just insane. Um, you know what? How about do this with me? I'm just going to play this for one second. Oh, I remember this. I'm not gonna sing, but <laughs> yeah, that's it's that's incredible. <laughs> and they pray nobody at the gets garden hurt. and the whole. I just want to pray nobody gets hurt. Let's yeah, let's hope nobody gets hurt. I would love to catch a game. I saw them in Philly, uh, a close game, a close tough loss in Philly. Um, I mean, let's hope they get Derek, that net. Derek Rose is taking this his role personally. Like you could tell he loves, cares about the, the fortunes of his team. Like how great would it be to just for him to be in crunch time, just in a really just phase, yeah. all, yeah. After all he's been through, just, 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 yep. just inspiring. And the last five, 10 games, or I should say like the last five games of this winning streak, he's been on the floor in crunch time, making big shot after big shot. Um, when he went down against the Hawks and wasn't going to play those, so they were going for their eighth straight and he fouled out and wasn't going to play in the overtime period, I was like, Oh my God, we need Derek Rose on this team. And of course someone else stepped up, they rallied around and it didn't matter. And that's what, that's, what's been incredible with Tony Parker out that it doesn't right. matter that, that he's out. And again, Tony Parker is Alec Burks, but right. We need Tony P if we can get Tony P and Mitchell Robinson and just be whole and healthy, uh, bring on the world, baby. I'm bring on anyone. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm not afraid of anyone. Um, <laughs> It's going to be fun. And hopefully. especially the Nets. I cannot wait to hopefully beat the let's, Nets. Let's, be let's get a Nets series. That's all we want. All we want is so, a Nets series. You know, this is kind of bookends because we, this is like our second podcast. The first one was the beginning of the NBA season because really my only sport left. Um, I only have, who knew? To, I only have enough testosterone, I guess, left in my body to care about one sport at this point. And, and it's basketball. What do you and mean so, the Jets are drafting on Thursday night? They're getting a new quarterback. Mm, 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 mm. I'm not falling, I'm not falling <laughs> for that. Don't don't talk like that. Anyway, so the uh, you know we started off talking about you know how how we were going to do you know how deal with the fact that the Nets were ruining the NBA and they were going to dominate everyone, and now we're talking about maybe we can maybe we can dominate them. And at, I told you then 
that, listen, if uh, that collection of uber talented players pulls it off, then, you know, whatever, you tip your hat to them. But the beauty of having that kind of collection of players over in Brooklyn is that if ever we were able to face them and with cohesiveness and heart and grit overcome them, it would be like so gratifying. It would be a life lesson. That's, that's, that's what we, that's what we, There'd be 10 movies, 10 30 for 30s. There'd be 15 documentaries. (laughs) I mean, there'd be a Tib statue on top of the Statue of Liberty the next day. Like, it would just be crazy. No no disrespect, like, intended to be totally directed at Harden and and, and Kyrie. Um, But but at the end of the day, like, they, they they would deserve that. They would deserve to be on the losing end of that, in a sense, because they you know their motives were somewhat more like new age selfish generation x or whatever this generation is self-absorption and 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 still old school prevails so an old school guy like me really appreciates that storyline what can i tell you yep so and yep that's it listen that's all we got we gotta just hope and it starts with tomorrow let's beat the Suns, although the Suns, listen, they're a Western conference team. We got to keep winning because the Hawks keep winning. Other teams keep winning. The Heat keep yes. winning. So we got to keep winning. Um, well, we don't have any let up. So yep. hopefully <laughs> it'll, we'll see results. Exactly. All right. Go Knicks. And Let's go I'll Knicks, talk to you. Baby. Good job by you. Good job by you. Best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high when you take me to your eyes. Like I'm standing in the sky. I see your subway cars and your old graffiti. I breathe your air when I land in another city. I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't changed it oh, 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 Always on my road, I'm still New York You're the only oh, oh, oh that I'll ever know oh, oh, My concrete walls, I'm still New York Drive down Riverside See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I I used to hit them courts, I didn't prospect 
them long walks on my time spin Just a kid with that empire, stay the mindset Kick flipping off a blind deck Dipping from the New York City's finest, yeah Said I been up on my New York shit Walking down the block with my New York bitch I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it Even if I do though, I can never hide it Top down on the west side when I'm driving East side be the only side that I'm riding I'm still New York I'm still here.